Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Reformed Meditations. I'm Lee, and I'm joined once again by Josh from Shepherd's Cast. What is up? Nothing much, just, you know, technical difficulties, life, which is technical (laughs) difficulties sometimes. With varying degrees of technology, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is the easy stuff this time. Too bad this is an audio medium because your Batman hat is really doing it for me. Not going to lie. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, Spider-Man is obviously the best superhero there ever was. But for the sake of right now, I grabbed a Batman hat. Actually, honestly, Spider-Man's probably my favorite Marvel superhero. And Batman would be my top DC superhero. I was looking around to see if I had one on my wall because I'm I'm pretty nerdy like that. I like to hang up my superhero stuff, but I haven't hung it up yet. It's still in a box somewhere. Yeah, actually, in my room, I have uh, two stylized posters that are in frames. One is for Batman. One is for Spider-Man. Not going to lie. I wear it proud. I would, too. Hey, did you know there's a um, there's a new Batman podcast on Spotify? Have you heard about this? I have not. What 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 is it about? Just strictly Batman? It's called Batman Unburied and it's like an audio drama kind of a thing. I've listened to the first few episodes and it's definitely like not your normal Batman story. There's quite a bit of language in it, so I can't say that I like recommend it, but it does you exist. Just, just endorse that. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I would like to say I'm only commenting on the existence of said podcast, (laughs) not telling you to go listen to it. Although from what I understand, when I did my Festivus episode on uh, that stupid Netflix show, um, I know of at least one person that went and watched the show because I did an episode on it. So I really should have learned the error of my ways. Yep. And you just got people to go and listen to uh, something that's kind of uneasy on the ears. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not smart. I never said I was. <laughs> nobody ever genius. said I was. The rest of it's over with. <laughs> <laughs> well, on to the to the the proper business at hand. We're back in Mark. Aren't you so thrilled? Most definitely. I love Mark. Yeah, this has been a really good time so far. And so the last time the last time we talked, we kind of veered into some subjects having to do with the Lord's Day. Uh, if you if you can recall at that time. Uh, and that that was good. But we're back. We're back to a new passage of text this time. Mark 1, uh, 16 through 20. Do you want to do the reading this time? I, I would be happy to. Uh, and in deference to the weaker brother, I will be reading <laughs> from the ESV tonight instead of my beloved Legacy Standard Bible. Thanks. <laughs> Wouldn't want to cause you to stumble. <laughs> Thank you so much. Mark, you know, I went and I went and downloaded it, not to get off course again, uh, but I, the LSB, I actually went and uh, checked it out the other day and they finally put the whole thing on there. Oh, that's right. They did. They, um, when you told me that, I went and I uh, deleted my app that didn't have the whole Bible, re-downloaded mm-hmm. it, and there it was. So, yeah, for anybody out there who who doesn't have the entire Bible in the LSB app, just delete it and re-download it, and it will be there. God's Word will appear. <laughs> the, the full As counsel of God. special revelation. That's right. 
It'll be like an angel <laughs> delivered it straight into your phone. <laughs> the angel John MacArthur. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> Mark 1, 16 through 20. <laughs> Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Here ends the reading. The end. <clears throat> It's been a great episode, Josh. Good to see you. <laughs> that was fun. Let's wrap it up. Uh, so I, I actually, the, the parallel study this time, instead of just choosing the one passage out, um, and our parallels will be Luke 5, 1 through 11, John 1, 40 through 42, and Matthew 4, 18 through 22. A story that all four Gospels share. Absolutely. Which isn't always the case, right? John, John marches to the beat of his own drum or drummer marches to the Which beat one? of his own drummer john john or john mark <laughs> <laughs> i see what you're doing here and i like it <laughs> all right but yeah so, so yeah so that's anyway go ahead yeah no you're fine go ahead well uh, that's i i'm i'm always intrigued to see those the things that show up in all four gospels um, cause you know, we, we talk about, uh, Matthew, Mark and Luke's as the synoptic gospels because they have so much, they have so much in common and John kind of his hangs out kind of on its own. Uh, and it obviously does have some crossover, but it's, it's always notable when there's a passage that is, is common to all four. Um, and this is one, it's a really important passage, even though, you know, it may not read like it is. You know, it's this is it's is just facts, right? Mm -hmm. It's just a little bit of narrative, um, and some things happen, but it, you know, it's not like it's not dramatic and earth shaking. You know, <laughs> you know, Andy Stanley's not going to preach over this text, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or from the Bible, or from the Bible, I guess. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, I've been, I've been triggered by him lately, but anyway, yeah, I'll save it for so Festivus. Bill. Phil's been pretty triggered by him too, I think. Yeah, he has. Yes, he has. Yeah, if anybody follows my dumpster fire of a Twitter account, you'll see that uh, I jumped into that Twitter canoe. And uh, yeah, yeah, good times. You can find me on Twitter at Ref Meditations. <laughs> Enter the plug. That's right. Got to keep promoting. I got to get better at that. So I wanted to tackle this rather than as a piece by piece, as a passage by passage kind of thing. Um, just as in comparison to all the rest of them, just because I always think that's helpful. And plus my small group that I'm leading this Monday, we're going to be doing that. We're doing a parallel of the gospel. Um, and I wanted to.
I think that was me. Yes. <laughs> I, I just sent you a, I just sent you a message because my my uh, camera was still going, but you didn't. So I'm like, yeah. is it you? No, it's probably me. Yeah, I was talking at the end of that first sentence. You were just sitting there like that. And I'm like, either he's having a conversation with himself or it's frozen. <laughs> I work for the CIA or the yeah, Secret Service and have to hold my ear. I'm going to I'm going to turn my video off. That might help my connection a little bit. <laughs> w- right. Witness tiny me at my friend Ryan's wedding. <laughs> oh, I thought you were a magician. <laughs> I'm tiny now. I'm Ant-Man. <laughs> All right. So um, I, what, what, what got caught? What got cut off? Cut off? Everything you said. You can just start. Everything. Yeah. Okay. Start awesome. from the small group. All right, so I'm running a small group this Monday, and uh, we're going through a, um, an, a harmony of the Gospels. And I wanted to take a crack at it now in discussion with you going back and forth instead of that being my first time uh, since I am leading and facilitating. Um, and I'd rather not appear like I don't have a clue. I'm- Doggone it. Can you hear me now, sir? Yes. <laughs> I think I'm too far away from, from the internet. Do you, do you want to retry this closer to the internet? Uh, let me, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to stop the recording. Okay. No, no, we'll, we'll go on. <laughs> okay. But we'll, we'll jump in the text. I'll your your audio will be there on the other end. I'll just okay. have I'll cut it to make sure that it that it all fits. Okay. The recording's fine, even if I'm not hearing you live. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, it'll be so, it'll be okay. Um, I wanted to discuss it kind of like in a harmony kind of thing, uh, so that my first time is not on Monday. Uh, so taking these ideas and combining them together, um this would not be Jesus's first time meeting at least one of these people, right? Uh, yes, that would be right. I think your, is your reference in uh, John? Yes, Andrew. Yes. So, yes. So according to John's gospel account, we, he, he sees Andrew um, sorry, I'm, I'm turning to it. Uh, You're good. So in John 1. Forty through 42. 40, there we go. So in, in verse 35. I'll start there. The next day, the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, John the Baptist. And he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, behold, the lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying 
and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Okay, so would it be disingenuous to assume that, you know, Andrew had already talked him up all, all this way, and whenever he come out there to perform the miracle that's paralleled in Luke, that Peter already kind of had his mind made up, like, absolutely. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that definitely as a possibility, you know, that that Andrew, Andrew had already seen him out in public, mentioned this to him, and, and met with him, and then... But they didn't, neither of them followed Jesus until that day when he called them to follow. So Absolutely. they knew of him at that time. And obviously, uh, at, at least Andrew, I would say probably both Andrew and Simon, uh, knew of John the Baptist too. Because mm-hmm. there was sort of a John the Baptist to disciple of Jesus pipeline. <laughs> right. Yeah, so no, I don't think that would be disingenuous at all. And uh, I'm assuming that they now it says here that he walked along a little further before he came to James and John. Um, but I would in Luke's account, I guess it would be kind of right there to help them pull in the nets. Let's see. You want to read that passage? Sure. Let me pull it up. ESV as well. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of, can't pronounce that, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little word i will let down the nets and when they had done this they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them and they came and filled the both boats so that they began to sink but when simon peter saw it he fell down at jesus knees saying depart from me for i am a sinful man O lord for he and all with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken and so also were james and john sons of zebedee who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So I guess it would be an assumption that that was James and John, but it doesn't explicitly say those are the two that come and helped them. Well, in, in, in verse 10, we know that James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were there because they right. were, so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And so were so, hired men and servants. Yeah. And so, you know, this could have happened right after Jesus called them, you know, yes. you're, you're fishers of men, and then they get in the boat, and Jesus, and, you know, kind of the way the, the New Testament uh, example often is uh, that a sign accompanies the, the bold proclamation of the truth or a powerful act of God. So Jesus calling these men to follow him, Right, which obviously has some theological significance that we'll get into, um, and then 
that him calling them and then it being accompanied by this sign of mm-hmm. enormous catch of fish being taken mm-hmm. all it all goes together right it, it all makes sense together in one big picture because okay, so G- would- because Jesus is showing in that moment, like he has absolute sovereignty over calling men, right? So, um, and obviously as Calvinists, we would <laughs> agree with that, yeah. <laughs> right? It, that that falls in line. Um, it, it bears out the the theological camp that we're coming from. So, because Jesus is now, he's not only called them, and he's calling them to be fishers of men. So he's he's giving them a net, right? Because the way that fishermen fished then, it, it's not like us where you have a pole and a line, right? They right. they threw nets into the water and then drug them up, and and fish would be in the nets. And so at the calling of Christ, throwing his net, right, casting the gospel before before men and women, before people, by his grace, by his power, that net catches a great multitude of men and and you think about this enormously full net here and compare that with um the the beginning of acts you know where three thousand people were converted in a day it's the same principle it's just the the reality of what this sign is pointing toward like you're going to fish for people and just like we caught this enormous catch of fish here by this gospel, many, many people will be caught and brought into the kingdom. I mean, you know, the church will never be what is destroyed because the gates of hell cannot beat us. But then, you know, whenever you really think about it logically, it doesn't make any sense. Kind of like my word will not return void. I think I had a little bit of a misconception with that as well, but that just makes perfect sense. Kind of falls in line. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It'll accomplish what I sent it to do which is to catch people. Yeah, it's, it's you know, when allowing the text of Scripture to speak for itself because it, it holds together and we end up making the Bible seem inconsistent when we are inconsistent with applying it, right? right. So um, when, we, when we have a system that we're playing out in length, well, not playing out, when we have a system that we're, laying over top of the scripture and trying to make it fit our system, then we make the Bible look inconsistent. But when we build a system that's based on what scripture says and what scripture says about itself, then all the pieces come together. Absolutely. And I think uh, Mike Winger actually just talked about that in one of his, uh, he's doing women in ministry. I think a series, I feel like Mm. there's only five or so videos out there. And we watched the first one the other night and he talks about that you know like you you go to scripture bringing your own presuppositions into it um your own preconceived notions like you can't go in there with a hard complementarian attitude and read something that is not that way and then just claim well that's that's just wrong kind of thing yeah i just wish he'd do that with the doctrine of election he'd be more (laughs) consistent (laughs) (laughs) that's true absolutely We're, we're all a work in progress. <laughs> His sanctification. He'll get there. He'll get there. He'll get there one day. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, what do you want to harmonize from Matthew? Oh, 
Matthew. When I, I didn't write anything specifically down because it was very, okay. I think it was like the same story overlap. Ma- yeah, Matthew is super close to uh, Mark's uh, account here. Right. Matthew 4, 18 through 22 is about the same thing. Yeah, yeah, same thing. You know, there's there's huge significance when it comes to uh, Jesus being in um, Galilee doing ministry. Yes. Like th- that was uh, completely foretold um, in Isaiah, Isaiah 9, uh, where uh, Galilee of the nations would uh, be made glorious. In fact, let me, let me turn to it. I'll read that verse. Awesome. Isaiah 9, 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. And, I, you know, that verse, I think, is uh, kind of key to this passage, not only because, obviously, it name checks Galilee of the nations, meaning, you know, Galilee. It, actually, it's called in Matthew, Galilee of the Gentiles. There was a lot of, of Gentile um, settlement there. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't an exclusively Jewish place. Uh, in fact, the, the Galilee region is the region of uh the Decapolis or the 10 towns. Um, and, and there were many kinds of people that lived in those towns. So this was a very multicultural area, um, still is, um, but it certainly was then too. And it's another highlight that Jesus isn't the Jewish Messiah. You know, he didn't come only for them. He, from the very beginning of his ministry, he was ministering to the nations to all sorts of people, Jew and Gentile. And in even obviously talking about uh, making glorious the way of the sea, uh, also known as the Sea of Galilee, or as Luke called it, the Lake of Gennesaret. They call it a Sea of Galilee, but it really is a lake. But as you know, we we saw in the um in the, the passage in Luke, uh made a, a pretty glorious thing happen when they went fishing in that, in that sea, in that lake. Right. Cause even though there's plentiful fish in there, but nobody's, nobody's pulling in big hauls like that on a normal basis. They had to work pretty hard and the seasons are hard on the sea of Galilee too. You know, you can barely fish in the, um, in the fall because the storms come down on that lake so hard. It's, uh, impossible to be out there really dangerous for sure yeah um okay and i kind of wanted to touch on something else that i recently studied as well and it's called concerned party a people that um zebedee had hired zebedee himself uh maybe just other random fishermen the crowd um all of these people would be considered the concerned party people that are directly there but not directly mentioned um so how would this type of thing have affected them? The, Jesus walks up, and just looking at Mark's section here, walks up after this, uh, this miracle has taken place, maybe before, um, and he says, follow me. And it says here, immediately they follow. And then he does the same with the sons of Zebedee. Is that normal? Do, do rabbis just walk up to random strangers? Maybe they've even got a little gusto, and they're like, hey, follow me now. And they're like, okay, <laughs> definitely not. 
Yeah, definitely not. This is this is definitely outside the norm in that world. Uh, you know, boys were being uh, arranged with uh, a rabbi to learn from from the very beginning. Um, and and they would I mean, they would follow the rabbi around, you know, the, the, being being that rabbi's disciple, they would follow him through his life and model him, uh, learn from him and, you know, not only what he was teaching, but how he was living. Um, Jesus doing this is very different from the rabbi model because he's God, you know, he's actually, he's doing, he's doing election, you know, uh, he's, he's doing the effectual call there. Um, It's more than just taking on students. You know, he's actually, he's making real disciples, not just students, but um, hearts of stone being turned into hearts of flesh. Sure. So we'd relate this back to the, the doctrine of the effectual call then. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the same voice that said that to them is the same one that, that calls to us when, uh, when we believe. Would you say this is illustrated by the fish? Yeah. You know, um, I would, you know, the way the shepherd casts that net. That's <laughs> kind of, I know it's kind of a broad example, but you know, he says, cast the net and they're there, you know, no, no extra work, you know, except for pulling in the fish, of yeah. course. Yeah. Yeah. He, he put the fish there for sure. Like God, it had been arranged for the fish to be there for this sign to, to verify this call. Yeah. It's no accident. If there's no maverick molecule, you know, there, <laughs> there's no, there's no maverick mackerel. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Maverick mackerel. All right. So um, the, so people would have seen this as odd. Fishermen, this is their life. This, these are all their possessions. Well, not necessarily all their possessions, but all of their, what they have for work. Yeah, it's the number one, nets. it's the number one trade in Galilee, right? Right. The, the entire, the entire market is based on what comes out of that lake. Not worried about their boats or nets getting stolen. They just up and go. Yeah. Well, and, and it would have been it would have been radical if James and John were as young as scholars think they were because they were mm-hmm. named with their father that they likely weren't men yet, that for them to leave that and, and follow and, and not work with with their father would have been edgy as well, because if their father wanted them with a rabbi, it would have been arranged, but mm-hmm. he wanted them in the boat. OK, OK. Now, what about there's another party and I can't for some reason remember the name, um, but it's those that it would affect that are not all even at the scene. For instance, um, say Peter's wife. Mm-hmm. How would this have affected Peter's wife? Um, uh, well, I, I think it, it would <laughs> it would have had a big effect in in many different ways. Right. You know, so he he leaves his career to follow Jesus. Um, I don't you know, there could have been kids at home. Uh, You know, he uh, we know from from later in the New Testament that he he did take his wife with him um, uh, during his ministry, um, which was something Paul couldn't do. And we are not really sure why. But uh, beside the point, there was it, there would be a whole uh, I mean this would be big news so you know it would be the talk of the town 
you know, that's a pretty small area in pretty right. tight knit communities. So a guy walking through and four fishermen leave their boat to follow him. Um, that would be big news and not just for the families, but even just, you know, the nosy people around town, man, this Jesus guy, he's really taken off here. You know, that a, a lot of people would have seen the baptism by John that we talked about last time. And then this yes. starts happening, you know, things are kind of getting turned upside down, which is kind of what the gospel does. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> At least that's how it felt to me. <laughs> Typically. Yeah. 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 I guess, I, I guess I can say the same thing. Whenever I first was, you know, awoken to the gospel, regenerate to the gospel, I had to pull over. So I get it. Flipped your world upside down. Suddenly it's not a myth. That's right. Yeah, definitely not. It's definitely very, very concrete when it's happening to you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's an easy thing to talk about theologically. You know, we can talk about the process of salvation and the ordo salutis and, and that's good, right? It's good to understand all that. But the way we experience it when we first believed, um, you know, it, it's not it's not esoteric. Like it's very real and present. Uh, it's a real experience. But it's more than a feeling, too. You know, it's there's a lot there's a lot there, and I, and I have to I have to think you know re, in reading this passage that these guys would have felt something close to that when Jesus called them to follow him. Yeah, well, well I mean, it does say that Peter fell to Jesus' knees mm-hmm. and said, "I am not worthy." Well, that makes yeah. total sense. You know, he, yeah. he was completely regenerated right then. Of course, you know, he still had his flaws mm-hmm. proven whenever he denies Jesus later on, right. but. You can see that, oh, I am awake, awoken yeah. to how terrible of a person I am. Yeah, the you can see how genuine that is in that moment. Because, you know, Peter does a whole lot of talking and a whole lot of talking when he shouldn't have been talking. But, yeah. that, was, but that was good words at the right time. And, and when he confesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that, those are other good words at the right time. I wish, you know, for his sake, I wish he had done that more often. <laughs> But he did what he he did what he was supposed to do, and we have it recorded for a reason. And I think that's why when a lot of people when we talk about the disciples, a lot of people think of Peter as their favorite because he really is so relatable, <laughs> or at least to loud mouths like us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I relate with with Andrew a little bit. He he seems as the early very, adopter. Yeah, yeah. Well. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm talking <laughs> when I shouldn't. The spirit of Peter. <laughs> no, go ahead. What were you saying? Um, I, I tend to be more quiet just because I, I want to know what I'm talking about before I say anything legitimately without asking, you know, a question. For instance, wanting to hammer this out before uh, before Monday for me comes around. <laughs> I'm glad that you consider talking about it on a podcast as practice for Bible study. That's when that's when your priorities are straight. Absolutely. This is uh, this is where people get to see the real stuff. And in person, you get to meet the mask. Well, the, the you know, the service of the church is where the real stuff should be happening. And, you know, yeah. the whole the whole point of, you know, for me, the whole point of podcasts is if stuff like this is helpful for people to go and lead a Bible study or even preach a sermon or, or whatever, you know, then it's served its purpose, you know, but, Absolutely. but, ser- but serving the church is, 
is the much higher priority. Yeah, this is this has opened me up to quite a lot. So I'm I'm really appreciative of the fact that you've had me on here for uh, as much as we've done so far. You know it, and we're going to keep going. Hope so. All right. So um, I think that might have hit all of the parties concerned the crowd and the main characters. So I had it. Oh, okay. And it's alliterated like a good Baptist. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's a, there's a picture on here. You probably, it's on my phone. Oh, it's on a clipboard and it's white. So you can't see that. So whatever. But I trust Uh, you that it's there. (laughs) Absolutely. And, and just to kind of touch on something that you mentioned, um, you can kind of see this regeneration happening in Peter. Um, it's interesting to note that before I had been introduced to any type of theology whatsoever uh, that I could call theology, I would not have read that in from, from the text whatsoever. It would have been a simple story, and I would have kept going to the next one. This is the call of the apostles. I'm done. Uh, on to the meaty stuff. Mm-hmm. But once you have a grip on some form of theology, once you understand, uh, I would say the doctrines of grace are a big part of it. Uh, once you have that, I think truly in order to, to see the, the importance, uh, the full weight of passages like this. Yeah. Theological backing is really important. Uh, but along with that is a solid sense of hermeneutics, being able to interpret scripture by scripture and so by knowing uh, the prophets of the Old Testament, uh, by knowing the other Gospels, uh, by, by knowing the whole counsel of God and having familiarity with it and hearing the echoes of those other passages as you read in this, that, that's how we study. You know, that's how we meditate on Scripture in, in the entire wave of the whole counsel of God crashes into that text. And so that's one of the things I love the most is reading through, seeing the the ripples that ripple back into Isaiah, for instance, with the with the Galilee reference. Like this is not an accident that he's doing this ministry in Galilee. It's not an accident that the sign of the plentiful catch of fish is happening in the Sea of Galilee, as said in in uh, in Isaiah. Um, we see. Uh, in calling those disciples, the the power of the effectual call, which we would know about because we've read about it in Paul's letters and because it's been systematized in a theological system and we have concrete statements in a confession of faith, which for us is 1689, uh, or or we pull down our copy of the Institutes from off the shelf. Thanks, John Calvin. But all, all of these resources come in, all of these strategies uh, come in, and what is the purpose for us to see deeper into the Word of God and make applications that not only we learn in our minds, but stir our heart's affections? And why would you not want to do that? Why? Yeah, I, I truly don't understand why you wouldn't want to do that. It doesn't make any sense to me. All these people are like, no creed but Christ. And I only, you know, all I need is the Bible. Well, great. That's really all you need, but please read it. <laughs> yeah. Read it for what it is. <laughs> yeah. We did we need the Bible, but we need to we need to know how to read also. Right. You know, not just to, to be able to understand words and sentences and paragraphs, but we need to be able to read the Bible the way that the Bible is meant to be read. Get up on stage and abuse your congregation with do's and don'ts, but you don't actually read anything. Yeah, yeah, or or tell or tell your uh, congregation that 
you know, over half of the Bible isn't relevant and you might as well just cut it out of your Bible right now. You know, that's another bad error. Um, or, or applying uh, traditions because that's what we've always done to the text. And I know we already talked about that, but that's really dangerous too. We can't, we can't beat that papist, tra papist tradition to death. We really can't. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just kind of lift it up and then you beat it some more and then you let it rest for a little bit. Then you come back to it later. Then we come back to it. It's evergreen in that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they wouldn't. Go ahead. Well, I, so I'm just thinking in the big picture here, like all of those things coming together is how we're able to sit down and, you know, with, with technical glitches or not, be able to talk for 40 minutes on this few verses going over one short snippet in the earthly ministry of Christ. It's like when we say like, there's so much here, there really is because there's so much of the rest of scripture, uh, so much critical uh, theology, um, crucial theology for us to apply in, even in verses and passages like these, it's glorious. And why would we it not is. want to sit down and meditate on it? Absolutely. I, I was in a Bible class years ago. Um, I would say before I was regenerated and I, and I was just, I was there just because of who was teaching it and things like that. Um, and I sat in on it and he was talking about Genesis one, one, I think. And he, he camped there for two hours and then we left. Um <laughs> But basically, he was talking about how in some way, shape, or form, how he broke that down grammatically. He pulled Jesus out of Genesis 1-1. And I was like, what? <laughs> Even, I, wish, I wish it was recorded. It was like in a small back room, kind of like what you'd see on those RC teaching videos mm -hmm. um, where he's got nothing but a blackboard, some chalk, and he's ready to yell at you. That's <laughs> what this guy did. And he broke it down in such a way. And I remember leaving that place thinking, that guy's crazy, <laughs> but, but I wish, I really wish he would jump to it. It was before COVID ever happened. Great stuff. That was one of the things that caught me uh, early in my reform period uh, was listening to John Piper and him talking about how like commas matter, you know, <laughs> clauses matter in scripture. Like there's a reason mm. that God gave this word to us in the, the way it's been given. So don't take a comma for granted. Don't take a clause or a sentence for granted or where a certain sentence is in a paragraph for granted. Um, there's a logic to these things in, in order to understand the point of the author, ultimately God, but also the human author uh, who's, who's writing out the words of God. In order to understand that, we have to read the word as it is. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. That uh, that statement, that commas, all that matter. I did want to, since you brought that up, I'm going to go ahead and take this, take this pathway here. Um, <laughs> so Luke 23, 43, this was early on in my um, salvation here. It was brought up to me. And at the time we were looking up what happens after death, like specifically what happens after death, um, after you close your eyes here. And I stumbled upon some Jehovah's Witness nonsense. And at the time, like I said, I didn't, I, I didn't have a clue. I'm just going on what, uh, whatever I could find. And the comma argument was truly, I tell you comma today. And they think that the comma should be truly, I tell you today, comma. 
No. <laughs> so it Man, was, they're silly. I'm not, you're not going to heaven today, but I'm telling you right now. <laughs> and Man, they're silly. That sculpted a solid two weeks until I found a good reform video. I didn't know who, I didn't know who he was at the time, John MacArthur. And I, he explained it. Uh, and I remember thinking, that probably sounds a little bit better than what I just wrote down for two straight weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and again, that's another, that's another thing where hermeneutics solves that problem because you go and you see where Paul says to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord today that it, that's today if you die today and you your soul leaves your body you are present with with god and that's a great and wonderful mystery that none of us have experienced so we can't speak from experience but we have the reliable word of god to say however that happens when you die you are in the presence of god right i think i asked you about the transfiguration a while back now that was outside of time i think you said um, yeah. glorified bodies outside of time mm -hmm. and then so would you say that that same idea would take place there or would we merely be spirits now that's always been something that i've chewed on well man you know how to ask them <laughs> not to i don't want to be gnostic but uh the <laughs> here we go <laughs> <laughs> The, the glorified bodies are promised at the resurrection. So right. I, I would say that no, um, our, our spirits, our spirits are with, are with God because the resurrection of the body is to come later in the, in the perfection of the body in the resurrection body is to come later. Okay. And that now I, I think for the, for the purpose of that, that transfiguration sign for Christ, I, I would say that resurrection bodies were given to Moses and Elijah in order, in order that the disciples could see them, right, as they stand there with, with Jesus. But even they were, were without a resurrection body because we're, we're all going to get them at once. Okay. Okay. There we That's go. what I would say. That's probably a messy way of saying it, and I'm sure R.C. Sproul has probably said it better, better than me at some point. <laughs> but, but that is I'll my look understanding. Him up. I'll look because, him up after this, and I'll tell you how wrong you are. I'm just, <laughs> that's good. Because, well, because we're we were never, despite what the Gnostics said, we were never meant to be souls in a body, or right. or bodies that with souls. We are soul and body, and we will be for eternity. We will have a body, and we will continue to have a soul. But those two things are always meant to be together. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Gotcha. Okay. So, you know that, so. and so that's that kind of leads into sort of the groaning of uh, of the creation waiting to be All redeemed. Right. I know we're not super far off topic talking about fishing and then the separation of souls from bodies and <laughs> you being a gnostic now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all together. It all it all it's, it all wraps in together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it all wraps wraps in as as one neat little thing there. One neat little mess. I think I think that wraps up that passage. I do too. I don't, I don't really have anything else to add. Um, I just, you know, and I, I've said this in, on, on other episodes, but you know, you, you really can get so much out of one short passage, you know, and, and it's never time wasted to, to spend it even on a passage like passage like this that really can surprise you how, how deep and affecting 
even just a few verses about an event that occurred can be. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, you're not going to find that. I, I struggle with enjoying the Bible in a year app that I'm doing right now, because you don't get that. You get, you get to speed read things. Um, I think, I think the one I'm on now today, I spent an hour doing what I was doing and I think it was like six passages, but I like to do multiple translations. Mm -hmm. And if I really want to chew on it, I'll also read the commentary alongside it. So yeah, I, I never speed read the Bible. It's hard to do a Bible can. in a year. There's yeah, there's no there, you can't get anything legitimate out of it. I, I'll have to stop at the end of each chapter and summarize what I just read in my head for it to even latch on and then move on mm-hmm. to the next chapter, which still I don't get to keep <laughs> by the end of the day. I, I don't remember what I know. I did Jeremiah 20, 22, 23 and 24 today. I would need to go back and look at it again to tell you what it's all about. <laughs> I, I tried to start a 90 day plan <clears throat> at the beginning of the year. And I, I failed out of that uh, at the beginning of first Samuel. It was just too fast. It was too much. And, and it didn't, I didn't, it didn't, it didn't feel beneficial to me. <laughs> I'm just a slow, I'm a slow reader anyway, when it comes to anything, the Bible or anything else, uh, slow and methodical. I try not to be, but unfortunately it, it definitely plays out that way, especially whenever you've, it's got to be dead quiet in a room. I can have some study music playing maybe, but if anyone's talking. (laughs) Yeah, that's a struggle. I I hear you on the struggle bus. All right. Well, Josh, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you and, and we'll get out of here. Oh, most definitely. You can find me. At Twitter, uh, at Shepherd's Cast, yes. and then on Facebook at Shepherd's Cast, and on Instagram at Shepherd's Cast. Um, and if you have any trouble finding one, you probably can't find the rest. So <laughs> you should find the link in the description. <laughs> yes, go go to the show notes, people, because uh, you'll find my handle there as well that I've already uh, promoted once at ref meditations on Twitter. Uh, there's also the Facebook page and, uh, and yeah, uh, also in the show notes, uh, you can definitely get the links to Josh's page and Twitter and all that good stuff. And also check out the bar network podcast where there's tons of truly excellent shows, uh, that you would benefit from listening to. Uh, and you can also check out the Exiled House of Meme Lords, where the Reformation will be memed, is being memed, and has been memed. All right, I think that about does it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Peace. Peace.